Well, hello there, and welcome to this Calvary Longview audio message. We're so glad you've chosen to take a moment to discover with us the truth that can be found in the Bible, and we pray that you'll be blessed by what you hear. Today, Pastor Al is going to be sharing with us a message from Paul's letters to the Thessalonians. We can't wait to get into God's Word, so crack open your Bible, grab your note-taking tools, and we'll get started. Turn your Bibles to 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, and uh, uh, if you need a Bible, raise your hand and we'll get you a Bible, <laughs> and we'll, uh, have the Word of God being brought out. So the ushers will bring you a Bible if you need one. So 2 Thessalonians, we're in this place here, we're going to look at the first 10 verses today and um, just see what it is. Now we've trans uh, kind of come from... The first letter, now into the second letter, and the things that have taken place. But if you're with me, I just want to read the first ten verses. Let's stand together, and uh, then for the reading of God's word, Paul writes here. He says, "Paul, Silvanus, and Timothy to the church of the Thessalonians in uh, in God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We are bound to thank God always for you." Brethren, as it is fitting, because your faith grows exceedingly, and the love of every one of you all abounds towards each other, so that we ourselves boast of you among the churches of God for your patience and faith in all your persecution and tribulations that you endure, which is manifest evidence of the righteous judgment of God that you may be counted worthy of the kingdom of God for which you also suffer, since it is a righteous thing with God to repay with tribulation those who trouble you, and to give you who are troubled rest with us when the Lord is revealed from heaven with his mighty angels, in flaming fire taking vengeance on those who do not know God, and to those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. These shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power. When he comes in the day to be glorified with his saints and to be admired among all those who believe because our testimony among you was believed. And so, Lord, again, this is your word to us and we're so thankful for it. May it find place in our hearts, Lord. So just calm our hearts, open our minds and our ears. And we just might uh, have your word, what we need today, your word in our hearts for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> so here we have the, the second letter. And it's been not quite a year. I mean, it's been seven days since we closed off, you know, the first letter uh, that Paul wrote to them. But for Paul and the, and the church in Thessalonica, it's been less than a year. And what's interesting is there are, during that time, there's been many people that have come into the city with this um, sowing, you know, seeds of false doctrine, and they're trying to confuse the or trying to confuse the church, and they also had this misunderstanding that um, it was being passed around that the day of the Lord had already happened, you know, it's already taken place. So many were saying that the day had come, and they were currently living in the tribulation. And, uh, you know, the time of this writing, and I'll tell you, because of the degree of affliction that was taking place in their lives, the degree of the um, trials that they were going through, it might have felt like it. 
I mean, I don't know if you've ever felt like that before. Just like, man, the things that are happening now just seems like so bad. And isn't it true, though, that the enemy, he wants to bring and always will try and bring confusion to the body of Christ. That's what he wants. This is his desire. If he can take us from the truth of God's word and turn us from God's word and from his promises. I mean, if you've been turned, you know, no show of hands, but if you've been turned from the promises of God, you know, you, you begin to think elsewhere, look, look outside of God's word or look to yourself or anything like that. Well, the devil always has a field day, and especially here with the Thessalonians, when the church is going through these major trials, we have this mind, and I think the enemy wants to come in. Once the trial starts in our life, he begins to pound and kind of, you know, um, blow that trial up even. And our minds become more of the battlefield than the trial itself. And isn't it so that when the trials hit our way, and they're difficult trials, that at times that we begin to waver from the truth. That's what the enemy wants us to do. He wants us to waver from trusting God. He wants us to get to think, get us to think that we're doomed or that God doesn't love you as much as he loves the person next to you. And he wants us to, you know, feel like we're all alone. And that's the way the enemy, that's the way he works is the battlefield is to get us confused, get us severed from God's word, get us severed from the promises of God. And, you know, we begin to think, and if he can get us to think this way, of things that are contrary to the Bible, right? I mean, we've thought before, have we not, that, oh, the Lord is not here. Here I am going through this big trial, and the Lord is not here. Well, he says he's never leaving us or forsake us, so that's a lie, right? Or that he will never stop loving us. We go through a trial, and we feel unloved sometimes. We're like, we're being punished. Oh, no, we're going through this trial. And you know what? The Lord hasn't left us. He doesn't stop loving us. And you might think, well, he, he loves somebody else bigger than he, he loves me. And it's not so. But we begin, when we begin to believe the lie and we begin to let confusion set in, then we lose things like hope. Where's my hope now? And especially in troubled times, when the troubled times are relentless, and this is what this church is kind of going through. They're going through some troubled times. The persecution is great. And the Christians in the city, though they were thankful that Paul had written to them this first letter, it didn't solve all the problems. In fact, it only increased them. It compounded them. Their persecution is on the rise. I mean, these guys are standing up for Christ in the midst of a pagan culture. So when these guys stand up for Jesus and and the first church is starting off, people knew it because they're not doing the things that they did in, in previous They're not saying the things that they said. They're not trusting in these pagan gods. They're not stopping by the idol shop. They're not stopping by the, you know, whatever the case may be. They're they're walking with God now. So the persecutions, after Paul's first letter, within this year, the persecutions only grew worse. And then some started to believe, again, that these difficult times, it must be the tribulation. So they start listening to the lion, listening to this thing, and it starts setting into their hearts. And then there was that letter. That letter, <laughs> that letter that was sent out by somebody that had, you know, said it was from Paul. It was claiming to be from Paul that the day of the Lord had actually come. So they, you know, they're they're stirring this thing in their minds. They go, "What do we believe?" You know, here's what this guy's saying. This is what that guy's saying. You know, and, and all of a sudden they have this um, letter and it's stirring fear in their hearts. Where do you go now? What do you do? Paul said this. Well, Paul didn't say that. We'll see this in a second chapter he it's not what he said but they were you know the, again the enemy wants to stir these things and they're well listen to what they're saying 
You listen to what this guy's saying. This guy said it. They're believing it. And the man, the majority is starting to believe this. See, in the letter also left some of the believers with the idea that since the Lord's coming was so near that they would just relax. They would take a chill pill. They wouldn't do anything. Well, he's coming back. I'm not going to work. I'm not going to do anything. But what that did was it, it, it laid on this bigger trip on the rest of the body of Christ. It laid their burdens upon everyone else. So that wasn't cool at all as well. They're, they're, lacking lifestyle it just brought burdens upon the rest of the people and satan always seems to be working overtime to bring confusion to the church you and i need to learn to rest we need to rest in the lord it's one of his biggest weapons i think of uh, the serpent oftentimes seeking to deceive god's people in second corinthians paul wrote to the uh, the church and he said in chapter 11 he says but I fear lest somehow, as the serpent deceived Eve and, uh, with, by his craftiness. That's, that's the way the devil works. He wants to come in with his craftiness. He wants to deceive. And just like he deceived Eve by his craftiness, he says, so your minds may be corrupt, corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. For if he who comes preaches another gospel whom we have not preached, or if you receive a different spirit, with which you have not received, or a different gospel which we which you have not accepted, you may well put up with it. I mean, he says, so he's saying, be careful. Listen, if it doesn't come from the scriptures, toss it. You know, when people say something, give me a chapter and verse on that. I just want to know where you're coming from. I want to know. You know, I want you to open your Bible when you come to church so that you know that we're studying God's word. It's so important that we have the truth in front of us. And so many people are being deceived because they don't take this thing. They call themselves a church, but they don't take this thing to church. And we, you want to make sure that this is what's being taught. And, and so the devil's out there. He's trying to deceive many. It's the same way that uh, Satan would try and do this in the church at Corinth or the church at Thessalonica or the churches in Kelso or Cowlitz County. He'll try to devour and deceive so that we will begin to lose our hope. Where is the hope of his coming? Where is the hope that God is even in this, that he's going to help me through He's going to walk me through my situations. Where is that? And if we begin to lose hope, then we begin to settle things for something like, well, anything other than the ultimate plan that God has for our lives. And that's trouble. And so we begin here in verse 1. Really quick, uh, Paul just opens up this letter. He, it's a typical uh, Pauline uh, opening. He says, Paul... Verse 1, Silvanus, who's just Silas, known as Silas, a true servant of, of Paul. And he says, and Timothy, this is a young man that will be studying uh, the letter written to him. Uh, he's raised in the Lord to the church of Thessalonica in God, our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. He says, grace to you and peace from God. It can all, grace and peace can only come from God. From God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, if we remember, Paul started the church in Thessalonica. He was there a short time. And the reason why he was there a short time is because trouble stirred up. I mean, his church was birthed in trials. It was birthed in persecution. And it hasn't stopped yet. It seems like when people are against the Bible, against the truth of God's word, that they're not going to let down. You know, the opposition is going to be there. It's going to seem to be continue to grow and grow and grow in the oppositional. It'll continue. That's what's happening in Thessalonica. Paul, they had to leave for his safety, right? He, he took off. And then all of a sudden that, that, that he takes off, the church is still going. It's a small church. It's a young church. 
but they're staying true to the word. It doesn't matter what's going on out there. It doesn't matter what they call the church, how persecuted the church is, how, how many trials are coming their way. The people are staying faithful. They're staying faithful to the word of God. And he writes to them. He says, you know what? Uh, you know, peace. He's a grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. So, you know, even though the trials became more intense, they stayed the more faithful. Look at it in verse 3 because we look and it says that they were, Paul had began to commend them for their growth. Remember from the first letter to the second letter, he says, We are bound to thank God always for you, brethren, as it is fitting, because your faith grows exceedingly and the love of every one of you all abounds towards, uh, everyone who all abounds towards one, uh, towards each other. And so when he says, when Paul says, I, you know, I, we're bound to give thanks. Paul and Silas and Timothy, man, we are just bound. What it means is we are we are under obligation. We just can't help but to give thanks. And it's so cool because here they are that they're in trials, but he says, yet you're growing in your faith and you're growing in your love for one another. I'll tell you, it's a pretty sweet uh, situation there. Because you, even families, moms and dads know this. When there's trials that come your way, is that love still there? Is that faith still there? You know, and the, the, you're put on the spot. You're put in the heat of the fire. And the, this church is still, they're not caring about what's going on on the outside as much as what's happening on the inside. We're going to stick it out. It's okay. We're going to go through it. And these qualities right here that you see, you know, uh, faith. He says, your faith is growing, your love for one another. When things are going well, these are easy qualities to put out, right? I mean, when there's no trials, there's no nothing going on, when these things are happening, uh, you know, faith is easy to come out with. Well, I got to get a paycheck every week. You know, what happens when you lose your job? Or, you know, they say, you know, the love for one another. Well, I love until, well, I got hurt. That person hurt me. Then what happens? You see, even though that these things were increasing, the trials were increasing, and you're in a foxhole together, and bombs are going off all around you, and they're getting closer and closer, they're sticking it out together. It doesn't matter. There's a bond of Christ and a bond of God that is tighter than what is out there in the world. And so, but you know, Paul says, you know, that you guys are going, you guys are going through it, but yet you're staying faithful. And having these qualities is a good sign. I mean, again, going through persecution and having these things, you know, these qualities of your faith growing, your love for one another, it's a good sign. But it also points to something that I think that can happen as we go through trials that they may have lost something. Turn over to 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, or I'll have it up on a screen. Paul wrote this. He says, we give thanks to God our Father, our God always for you, making mention of you in our prayers, remembering without ceasing, and here's the things that he remembered them for. Number one, your work of faith. Number two, the labor of love. Number three, the patience of hope in the Lord Jesus Christ in the sight of our sight of our God and Father. See, they had toiled. Paul told them they had toiled. They had labored and they received the patience of hope as they waited on the Lord. And they were waiting on him to meet him in the clouds. They were, but they were toiling. They had these qualities there. In the first uh, letter in the chapter 3, verse 10, it says, Paul prayed that God might perfect what was lacking in their faith. In here it says that their faith in love is well, but something seems to be missing. Hope. Hope. Love, faith, and hope, they're three key elements for any Christian's life. 
And to have any of them missing, it's, it's detrimental because I think once one begins to start missing in our life, then what are we relying on? You take away our faith, I mean, trusting God. Well, still, okay, I believe in God, but I'm saying from trusting God or, you know, our love for one another, and then we begin to turn on one another, our faith and trust in God. We become trusting ourselves or whatever it might be, and, and even our hope. If you take those things away from us or one of those things, and we got to understand that the devil will kind of go in there. What's, what else is, what's next? You see, they have been exercising their faith through the trials. They have been exercising their love in Christ, in the present times, and they were hoping for his soon return. But then all of a sudden, when you see something that might be going, maybe hope, or it's not around, it's not around to be seen, do we still hope for a soon return? You know, when the, when the troubles start, where does our hope go? Are we still hoping? Do we still have that renewed hope, that hope that is, listen, I'm trusting God through this. My faith is well, but I know that I'm hoping to see him in the clouds at any time. I'm hoping that God, you know, I have the hope that he's just going to work this thing through. Do we still have hope as we see the things going on in the world today? Are we still hoping? (laughs) I'm hoping for a soon return. But what about the things that are going on in the world? What about it even do we still have hope even though we still see backslidden family and uh, friends. Are we, we still see, do we have hope even though that we're praying for them, we're praying for them and they're constantly making these terrible choices day after day it seems, right? Do we still have hope? Are we still trusting in the Lord? Is there, is there still hope? And keep in mind that the trials in our lives, as big as they are, they're never to sever us from the Lord, rather they're to draw us close to the Lord. But the choice is ours to make how we're going to go through them. A lot of people might isolate themselves, and some people will run to the Lord or run to the things of God. And Paul continues to commend the church in verse 4. He says, So that we ourselves boast of you among the churches of God for your patience and faith in all the persecution and tribulation that, that you endure. I mean, by patience and faith, they're still going through, they're trusting God. He's still at work. And in your life and my life, it's the same way. Even though we go through difficult times, God is still at work. Even though there's trials that come up, and and life isn't the way we expected it to be or thought it would be. Paul was able to boast of their patience and their faith because they stayed faithful in the midst of their trials. That's incredible. That's incredible because this is something that the church really needs to grasp on today. And I think part of the reason is because if we don't, you know, if a fire starts in a church, and I don't mean a physical fire, but a tribulation trial goes on in the church, it's a lot of times, well, you know, I don't like it this way. I'm going to go to the, we got 32 different churches in a quarter mile away. It's better than Baskin Robbins sometimes. I mean, you have the church of your choice. But here's the thing is, they didn't have a church to go to. They had to learn to work through their problems. They didn't have another one to go there. You go to Ephesus or you go from, you know, the ne- next nearest town. It's going to be, a, you're going to travel. And you're not going to make it there because you don't have your car or your plane or whatever you have today to get you from place to another. You have nothing. You have your feet. And you're going to walk that way. So you're not going. You're going to learn to work things out. And that's, I think, the detriment of today is, you know, we... uh we, we don't do those things. We, we don't work things out when we, we should be working things out. And I'll tell you, it's, it's, it's just something that we have to grasp onto because 
when we go through these troubled times, how faithful do we find ourselves to endurance, enduring through them? And it's true that at troubled times come, it's when a lot of people might flee what's going on in a church instead of simply going to their knees and praying. And seeing the duration of let's get through this. This is the bride of Christ that is under attack. I was reading through the persecuted church this morning, uh, you know, in Revelation, the church of Smyrna. And can you imagine if you were going to be part of the church of Smyrna, would you be upset with that? Well, I'm going to another church. That church had nothing really wrong with it. See, for the church in Thessalonica, things may not have always gone the way they thought they should go. They didn't really, you know, maybe it's, you know, things were just, wow, it wasn't what I expected. But they weren't running from the church. They were running to it. They recognized the help and, and, and they recognized the unity that was in the church. They displayed patience and faith in the midst of their trials, in the midst of their persecution. It's very possible that things may not be going the way you felt in your life or in my life. Things aren't always, you know, rosy and not always this, you know, whoo, I'm just uh, I'm walking on clouds today. But, you know, there's times that we have to get to it and we've got to, you know, well, it's not what I dreamed, but I, I know that God has something in store for me. And we, the question is, do we find ourselves running to or from? Because in the church, that we, when, when there's a problem that arises, you need to be running with one another to the Lord instead of away from the, the problems. There's going to be problems wherever you go. You think if a church is persecuted... There should be something right in that church. If you're going to go to church, I'm going to go to a church and they're not being persecuted. Well, they're probably (laughs) uh, maybe letting a lot of stuff go on that shouldn't be going on. And see, depending on where you and I run and how we stay and how we endure is is going to determine our spiritual growth. It's important. And always testify what level of hope, what level of faith, what uh, level of love that we're operating in. And see, the faith and the patience was due to their enduring the trials and the persecutions that had come their way. To endure means to put up with. It means that the, the enemy's always going to find a way to strike the sheep and scatter, you know, scatter the people. But, but will we endure? And Paul's not saying that, hey, just put up with it. Shut up and put up with it. That's not what he's saying. To put up with, it means to rather we're to live by faith and live in faith that outlives the trials no matter how far the, and how hard the trials get, that our faith is going to carry us through. That, listen, God is in the midst of this. God is working. And has there ever been a time, I think, when the church has ever had this easy street? You know, you think of when, uh, at the very beginning when the church's birth, it was persecuted. And it shouldn't be thinking, well, you know, I just, I want to have this easy street. I think it's going to be simply easy for me, or it should be easy for me. And Paul said again, he says that, you know what, your patience and your faith and all your persecution, in all your persecutions and trials that you endure, you're enduring through them. You're lasting through them. And the trials that we're going through, that they're going through, they're painful. They have painful circumstances. I mean, can you imagine that? They come from both the Jewish and the Gentile uh, acquaintances, and their persecutions, they were numerous. They weren't just like, well, somebody egging your car. (laughs) 
Yet it, but in spite of all of that was going on, they kept on standing strong and they kept on uh, uh, being steady in their faith. They're still going to be rock solid knowing that, look, Jesus has this. And when they're wanting, uh, you know, when they're, when they're going through things, it's not like handling it on my own. I got this. I'm going to take care of this. But they're letting the Lord handle these things. Young church. Trials and tribulations are always going to come our way, and we need to be found standing strong and be faithful in the Lord. And why? You know, why is that? Well, look at verse look at verse five, because suffering is a part of our life, which is manifest evidence of the righteous judgment of God. He says that you may be counted worthy of the kingdom of God for which you suffer. Listen to this quote. I just um, think it's so fitting. It says, "Suffering is not a prerequisite to help one get to heaven." But because we choose heaven, we will suffer trials while on earth. Anybody with me on that? You ever go through a difficult time? Maybe you're not. And if we're not, you know, we're not aware of what difficult times do, they actually have a great work that they, they, they accomplish in us. You think about the trials, think about the difficult times, how we're handling them. When we're handling them correctly, it has a great work that, that these trials do in our lives. I think individually, they purify us. These work, they, they'll purify us. Whenever I go through a difficult time, I know that God's at work. It's, it's a trust issue. Maybe he's wanting me to trust in him and see him, you know, even though the, the, the trial or the, Sign of persecution, it doesn't, it doesn't just move away. He said, he's going to show me the strength and the grace that he has as we go through these things. And as we were in a, the prayer room this morning, remember I was reminded again, remember Paul's word says that uh, when Paul had the thorn in his flesh, that he said, my grace is sufficient, right? I'm not going to take away the problem, but I'm going to tell you my grace is sufficient that you, when you go through this issue, that it's going to be okay. I'm going to walk you through it. There's no greater blessing than to have God walking us through our trials instead of us running from them. And this church is learning a lot. I mean, Paul is just he's just letting them know. He's saying, you know what? There is it's evidence that, that you and I are going to go through difficult times. And I think, too, for the body of Christ, not only as an individual does it really uh, grow us through these times, but also it, it, it purifies us, but it also does the work in the, in the body of Christ too because it pure, there's a purifying work there. I mean, I'm sure that when troubled times come that those who aren't really walking with the Lord are going to check out because it's not, worth, it's not worth to them to stick around. And so, you know, you're really seeing what here is in this small church at Thessalonica that they're true believers. They're like, we're going to get down with this. You know, we're going to walk through this together. And I'll tell you, the persecutions in the church of Thessalonica wasn't just running out of uh, paper plates at the potluck. Well, it had nothing to do with that. There were severe persecutions. And again, because they were standing up for the truth. Because they were standing up for Jesus Christ. And they weren't fleeing to, you know, let's move to Ephesus. Let's move here, go there, let's go to this church. Because they weren't going to learn anything in, if they ran, and they weren't going to help in restoring the hurt and comforting the hurt in the midst of the trials. And so in the midst of troubled time, God works amazing things out. Jesus never expected and never anticipated the church to not go through difficult times. 
And because troubled times sit, it doesn't mean that God is done with you and that you're being punished. It means he's probably growing you up a little bit. And then look at verse 5 again, because Paul reminds him, he says, which is manifest evidence of the righteous judgment of God, that you may be counted worthy of the kingdom of God. Difficult times that we encounter as believers are evidence that we belong to him. In, in John 16, Jesus said to his disciples, he said, indeed, the hour is coming, yes, has now come that you will be scattered each to his own and will leave me alone. This happened at the cross. And yet, I will, uh, I am not alone because I, because the Father is with me and these things I have spoken to you that in me you may have peace in the world. You're going to have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I will come to the world. So he's telling them right away that there's going to be troubles out there. Why? Because the world hates me. It hates the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. <clears throat> and if you and I want to live for that message, if you want to stand up and say, that's what I believe, I am a born-again Christian, then the world is going to hate you. Because you won't let them, or you, you won't, you'll let them live the way they want, but you won't let them without telling them <laughs> that, you know what, Jesus loves you, he created you, and he didn't create you to live in, in your life the way you're living. In, in absence of him, he wants you to, he wants you to live with him, he wants you to accept him. And we want our salvation, we want to be forgiven, we want to be heaven-bound. As far as suffering, I think we'd like to opt out sometimes, right? But opting out isn't an option for those who are following Jesus. It's going to come our way. And keep in mind, again, that we have Jesus to walk us through every time we go through something. Paul, in his letter to the Philippians, in chapter 1, verse 29, says, For you it has been granted. You know what that means? Granted, he's giving you a favor. He's doing it as a favor. On behalf of Christ, not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for his sake. You see, the suffering for Christ's sake doesn't grow churches. You know, a lot of people, they just want to hear something, make them feel good. I'd rather tell you the truth. Yeah, you're going to suffer times. Anybody going through a hard time right now? Going through a difficult time? Amen? Yeah? We're going to suffer, but Christ is there to walk us through it. It's okay. We have these things. And you might say that, you know, I don't want it granted to me to suffer. I don't want any favors having to do with suffering. But we also know that there are different types of suffering. Let me say this. When we, here in America, we stand up for Jesus, we're going to face that opposition. You want to stand up for Jesus, you're going to face opposition. You're going to face opposition in the workplace. If you want to Work with ethics. You're going to take, well, I'm going to be the one that takes that 10-minute break or 15-minute break instead of the 20, stretch it a little bit, 30-minute breaks. You're going to face opposition politically because opposition, you're voting biblically instead of, you know, with your pocketbook or because of your union or because of your workplace tells you this is who you should vote for. You're voting biblically now. I understand that I've got to stand up for life. I've got to stand up for Israel. I've got to stand up for, you know, the, the, I don't have to stand for same sex marriage. There's, there's these things. I don't have to stand up for the legalization of drugs. I don't have to stand up for these things. And the, and the possibility that when we stand up, that we may, like the Thessalonians were doing, we may lose friends, but will we stand up? We may lose. We may make some family upset, but will we stand up? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, what happened when they were in the fire? Jesus met them. They weren't going anywhere. They didn't run. 
In John 15, Jesus says, if the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. He says, if you were of the world, the world would love its own. Yet, because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. So may I give an altar call. Hey, if you want to be hated by the world, come to Jesus this morning. <laughs> but really, that's what it's all about, right? I mean, in a sense, I'm not trying to make enemies with the world. It's just that, you know, you got this mark on you. And you and I, we may go through difficult times and we may face uh, severe adversities. And we may even face such opposition that it costs us dearly. But understand that what we go through, we're going through for Jesus' sake. Is it worth it then? Is it worth it to know that, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm living for God and he told me I'm going to do this. You know, will, will you know, are we going to trust that Jesus is going to stand with us through the biggest fire that life brings? And again, none of us really wants to suffer. I'll put a sign-up list out there and see how many we can get signed up. I won't even charge you for it. <laughs> but we don't want to suffer. But see, what happens when you're like the New England Patriots? I hate to bring that up. But but in all honesty, right? Why do I ask that? Because they have they cheat? No, <laughs> I don't say that. But but listen, they're really good. I know we hate to admit it up here in the Northwest, but they're really good. They've been good for a long time. And and I love it because they got this old dude who's still slinging yards, man. He's just slinging the ball for yards. But when you come to admit it, they, then they got everybody else. They got they got this uh, mark on them. Everybody wants to take them down. Well, I'm thankful I don't have to be a New England Patriot for that, but I'm a believer in Jesus Christ. And guess what? You've got this mark on you. And everybody wants to take you down. That's not a believer because the devil wants to use him. And he wants to use situations for that. So don't give up and throw in a towel. I mean, when you want to stand up for Christ, understand I'm standing up for the rights that my Father has given me in heaven. And there's going to be opposition to that. There's going to be people that are going to say, you know what, oh, you're just a... Jesus freak. That's a compliment. You know, so, you know, you just, you just whacked out of your mind. I said, I was whacked out of my mind when he saved me. But see, we, we have to be, understand they're going to be gunning for us. The world is going to be gunning for you. It goes with the territory. So don't just give up and throw in a towel. Stand fast. Grow in your faith. And sadly, <laughs> a lot of times we look to get out of trials, do we not? I mean, really, we pray, God, get me out of this. Free me from this trial. Or the possibility, if we could, to buy our way out of it. <laughs> or, if nobody's looking, we might compromise our way out of it. Or, depending on the degree of the trial, we might even lie our way out of it. But, instead, when we go through them, we ought to count it worthy knowing that God is working in us the image of His Son and working out of us the carnality of this world. He's working in us. And understand that when we face opposition, that the Lord will repay. Look at verse 6. He says this, Since it is a righteous thing with God to repay with tribulation those who trouble you. I know you don't get mad, you get even. Or it used to be the way it was. But the Lord says, just let me handle this. You see, it's a righteous thing for him to judge sin and condemn sinners. You and I don't have to do that. God will take care of it. He'll take care of it. He's qualified. See, you don't, you and I don't have to look to retaliate. Oh, I'm going to get upset at them because they're coming against me. No, just understand they're blind. You know, if you were walking in the mall and uh, you're standing there and you're just minding your own business, but all of a sudden a, a blind person, 
legitimately blind, walks over your steps on your foot, what are you going to do? You're going to pound him? Or her? Are you saying, would you get off my foot? Can't you see where you're going? No, of course they can't see where they're going. They're blind. That's like the world. The world's blind. What do you expect them to do? And then those who are so, you know, against Christianity, they're really blind. They're not really blind, but they're stew. They're vehement. They're just so against it, you know? So against you and everything you stand for and everything I stand for. But the Lord says, you know what? I'm going to handle this. And you and I need to be people that will pray for them and, and understand, but by the grace of God, there go I. And so a holy God, he can't and won't leave sin unjudged. If he did, he'd have to apologize to Sodom and Gomorrah. He's going to take care of business. And yes, he is a God of love, and he must and will judge sin, no doubt about it. And keep in mind that he's, um, that judging, it's, it's, again, it's his responsibility. It's not ours. God, you know, it's a righteous thing that God will repay. He's perfect at what he does. He's just. You and I aren't just when we retaliate. And he'll bring justice to those who deserve it. But to us, he gives rest. Look at the hope that we have in verse 6. He says again, since it is a righteous thing with God to repay with tribulation. That's some pretty heavy stuff. And I'll get to that in a minute. Those who trouble you. And to give you who are troubled rest. That's you and I. With us, when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven with his mighty angels, it testifies that he has not come yet for, or, you know, the tribulation has not started. In flaming uh, fire, taking vengeance on those who do not know God and on those who do not obey the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. These shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power when he comes in that day to be glorified in his saints and to be admired among all those who believe because our testimony among you was believed. You see, for you and I, we go through troubled times. We're to trust in God. And in the end, he says, look, you're going to have so much rest in heaven. Don't worry about it. That, that day that we have that hope that we get to look forward to, heaven being real. That the world, those who reject Christ, they don't have that. And remember this saying, I've said it a thousand times, if not once, that this world for the believer is the worst it ever gets. It's temporal. You know, a hundred years. I don't want to live a hundred years, but it's a hundred years. I mean, that's a long time. And if I got to go through some for a hundred years, I'll go through it because I have an eternity of rest eternity with the Lord. And that's what he's getting to. That's what he's saying. You see, rest, I can also, I can also do this. I can also rest, not just in his soon return that he's going to come back. I rest in that because at any day when somebody wants to retaliate, they want to say bad things, they want to just, you know, just pound the knife in your back, whatever the case may be. Understand this. I can rest that he's going to come home at any time, but I can also rest that he's at work. I know that he's at work. And we, you and I can, we, we need to keep the faith. We need to stay strong. We need to understand that he's got this. Don't run when the enemy strikes. And when this is, when, when this is all over and done, heaven is for real. We get heaven. I mean, this is just, Jesus has kind of warned us. He says, you're not going to have the greatest time on earth. You know, if I preach a, <laughs> you, some guys will preach a prosperity gospel and think, you know, this is where you should be. You know, you should, you don't have faith if you're not rich. You know, just listening to that TV guy, and uh, somebody sent me a quote. He was 
quoting from, uh, you know, if you're not rich and if you're not wealthy, if you don't live in a big house and you ain't following God right. I'm like, dude, you are so crazy. That message doesn't preach in Africa. It doesn't preach in South America, right? The gospel preaches because it's global. That only preaches to those who you can take advantage of. But see, here we are, and we, we realize that he says, you're going to have rest. You see, when opposition brings trouble our way, that you and I can remember that we're not to turn from it, but we have, we have heaven. We have the hope of heaven. The hope that Jesus is coming at any moment. We don't know when that moment is. And I don't want to have my hand up ready to retaliate when we're raptured out of here. You see, when opposition brings trouble, and those who bring trouble, those who are in opposition, when they bring trouble, if they don't turn from that, guess what they have here? They have hell for all eternity. I mean, it's just spelled out there. They're, they're going to be in opposition. They're going to be away from God. They're not going to have Jesus Christ. And they're going to have what they've always wanted. I don't need God. Well, they're going to die not having God. But they're going to wish they did. And for those who have turned, uh, you know, from our old ways, well, that we have a rest that God gives to us, a rest in, in heaven forever. That's what we get. A rest in heaven. It doesn't matter. You know, we go through things sometimes here on earth that, that aren't the greatest. There's a story of these two farmers one was a believer and one was an atheist. And, and the, the season went through and the atheist was never sick. He had this uh, finest crops, just made so much money that the believer was going through troubled times. And he looks at the, the, the atheist looks at the believer and he says, you know what? I, I can't see why you want me to believe in God when I'm being blessed and you're not. You know, I don't, I don't, I don't get it. He said the, the atheist family was never sick, but you're sick. My family's wealthy, your family's poor. He says, I thought you said it paid to believe in God and to be a Christian. And the Christian reply, it does. But God doesn't always pay his people in September. <laughs> you see, we have a payday coming in heaven forever. And while the believer, those who trust in Jesus Christ, while they have rest at the end, in the end, look to the future of the unbeliever. It's not looking good. Look at verse 6 again, and I'm going to point out some things. Verse 6 says they will repay with tribulation, that God will. In verse 8 it says in flaming fire, taking vengeance on those who do not know God. This is not an intellectual knowing. This is a, a knowing to where it's experiential knowing. Is they're trusting God. They're not trusting God. Trusting in some other plan. They don't want to come to God. They don't want to. So, so there's going to be in flaming fire, taking vengeance. Then he goes on, who do not obey the gospel in verse 8. And these, the unbelievers, they shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from uh, the God, from the glory of his power. When he comes in verse 10. Listen, even for the unbeliever, God is still sending out this message and he's saying, you know what? There's hope. Because here's, here's what happens when you run out your car off of a uh, off-ramp where there is no road. There's trouble. Oh, no, there's not. Nah, you're just kidding me. And you go find yourself in midair. Well, there's trouble there. But nobody wants to listen to anything. Well, God hates me because these people ran off the road. and there was. Oh, he's telling you. He's telling you that, you know what, for those who don't want to turn from their ways, they don't want to receive Christ, there's only one answer, and it's Jesus Christ. So he's very simple in that. 
And he says, you know what? You come to me and I give you faith. Or you have faith. You put your faith in me that I died on the cross for your sin. Every man, every woman, every child needs hope. They need to be forgiven. They need to be, you know, they, they, they need to have their sins washed. And I'm the only way to do it. And Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no man comes to the Father except through me. There is not many truths. There is one truth. There is the truth. And that's what we got to trust in and live for. And these people that just want to constantly go, no, 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 I don't want it. He says, well, be careful because God's going to repay with tribulation. See, sin had to be judged. So Jesus came and he died on the cross and he paid a penalty. The penalty that you and I couldn't pay in order to get our, our standards right with God. We couldn't pay that penalty. So what happens is all of a sudden you have... People that say, well, I don't want that. Well, the, the wages of sin is death. And it's eternal death. It's e for all eternity, you, you see the consequences that come out there. So the, the, the God is just letting them know that, you know, hey, church, if you're under persecution, the church of Thessalonica or the church in Cowlitz County or whatever, it's all right because in the end you get heaven. But those who do not trust, and, he, and again, it's just, you send it out there, and what a, a, a testimony of his grace, that yes, there's going to be trials, but we're still living in, or there's going to be eternal damnation, but for those who don't trust, but we still live in the age of grace, so come to Jesus today. So it's the only hope, come to Jesus today. And if those who have caused you much pain, you've been through tribulations, as a pastor, you go through, uh, you, go, you go through a little bit, <laughs> just a little bit. <laughs> But you don't want to turn from your ways. You've got to look to God and get you through it. As the church is the same thing. We'll go through things, you know, but, but we've got to look to God to get us through it. And if you don't trust Jesus, um, you know, for, for what we're going through, then we're going to trust other things and other people or other programs or whatever it might be. But all these other people that are, that are out there slinging darts and they're slinging, you know, all, they're going to be judged for their, what they're, what's going on. They're going to be rewarded openly. He leaves the choice open to us. Let me just close with this. What we, we need to understand, I think what's important is we should understand this, that the Christ-rejecting world will receive from God exactly what he gives to his people. I like a couple of examples in the Bible. Pharaoh tried to drown all the male babies, you know, of the Jews. And what happened in the end of his own army? They're drowned. How about Haman when he plotted to, you know, wipe out the Jews and Esther? He thought he'd build a gallow and, you know, hang Mordecai on it. And what happened? He was hung on it. What about the advisors of David when, uh, oh, excuse me, of Darius when they forced him to arrest Daniel and throw him into the uh, lion's den? Later themselves, they were thrown into the lion's den. The unbelieving Jewish leaders who sacrificed Jesus in order to save a nation in a few years, they saw their city destroyed and their nation was scattered. Listen, God has a plan. And it's a plan that we need to stick to, we need to trust in. We go through times of persecutions and we find ourselves troubled, you know, going through troubling times. It's an opportunity for us as a church, that we, or as individuals and a church, that we trust the Lord. May our faith increase. And we find Trouble, trouble in dealing with God's plan, you know, maybe we're living for ourselves. Remember, Paul said, it's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. That's the life that I want to live. That, that life that Christ has got. He's got this. And yea, though I may be walking through the valley of the shadow of death, I shall fear no evil. Why? Because he is with me. 
And we go through the times that he is there. He's walking us through it. Maybe some of your trials have affected your faith or your love for one another or your hope. And this is what the, the enemy wants to come. If he can cause you to have not have faith in God or don't have a hope of a soon return or even hope that he's working or that he'll come in and he'll say, you know, if I can get you to stop loving one another, he's accomplished some things. But if we're going to trust in God, then we're going to work hard. It's hard to be a Christian. And it's hard, but we have to work out our own salvation with fear and trembling. That we're going to walk through things with one another. One body, one Savior, Jesus Christ who loves us. And he cares for us. And we're to endeavor. And Paul wrote to that in Ephesians, said, endeavor to keep the work of the ministry. That endeavor means to make every effort to keep, not create, but to keep the unity that was created upon the cross. We're better together. We see this church as this example that this church is going through it, but they're staying strong. May we, as we go through things, may we grow stronger together, trusting in the Lord. Let's bow our heads and pray. Father, we come to you. We hope you've enjoyed spending this time in God's Word, and our prayer is that you'll take it with you and apply it to your life. If you'd like to learn more about Calvary Longview, visit our website at cclongview.com. While you're there, you can find more teachings, request prayer, or even find out how you can get involved with what God is doing in our city. We hope you have an amazing day. We'll see you back here next time, and remember, Jesus loves you, and so do we.